Like, damn, she in her mood. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful morning. I'm just happy to be here, to be honest. Um, and welcome to God's Best Kids podcast. I'm here with Harrison. Good morning. Beautiful. Snowy day. Do you have snow where you are? Um, not today, but it was snowy yesterday, but it wasn't, it wasn't like setting. Uh, everything's covered in the Midlands where I am currently. Ah, no. How do you feel? How does that make you feel? What, the Midlands pretty poor, to be honest, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, I don't endorse that comment. That, that's deep rooted, that's deep rooted, rooted in... I'm not even going to say the word, but that's crazy. I love the Midlands. Birmingham has always been a lovely place for me to visit. And Wolverhampton as well. It's not bad, to be fair. It just seems all quite fake. The Midlands? Yeah. In what way? Like, <clears throat> everything feels a little bit American in a way. Yeah, I can't say I've experienced that, but I'm not going to gaslight you to... Well, the roads, the roads here are wider than they need to be. And every, every, literally every single that I, everywhere I go around it is just built up. Really? When there's it's so much, up. well, there's so much space around, but like it's all really concentrated. Yeah, I hear, I hear the concentrated part, but that just makes it feel quite like compressed for me. But I, I've not seen the space you're talking about. Well, about like, if you go past Banbury on the train. There's like all these green fields and then suddenly there's a house and next to that house is a million other houses and on the other side is an industrial estate. And you're like, we were just like in a field about two seconds ago. Why is it suddenly no green at all? Like There's not little, it's not proportioned out. It's either green or it's grey. Green or grey, that's awful. See, I'm turning you against the Midlands. Nah, but imagine you wake up and it's just grey. Like that that sets the tone for your day and just your life to be honest. Like that is a bit it's, it's just a bit sad, isn't it? But that's that's what I said the other day. I was I was here and I was like, at least when I wake up at home on a shit day, there's like a lovely countryside to look at and it's like oh, all right. When you're here on a shit day, you're just looking at another building going, great shit. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Um, to be honest, when I'm here, yeah, this 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 has a bit of character to it, to, to be honest. I'd, I'd say. Um, I get to people watch as well from my room, so it's pretty convenient. And but when I wake up at home, I get to wake up to like like neighbors' back gardens and like their pond. It's quite funny. I've seen a little fish. I, I don't know how they've not died yet. I can't lie. They they are remarkably self sufficient. Really? Yeah. Um. We we got some fish a couple months ago for our pond and. We fed them, like, or tried to feed them, probably like once a week for about three months before they ended up eating anything, because they just ate, I guess, off the pond for that long that they didn't even 
need the food that we gave them. And even that, that? No, they're just like average goldfish. You got goldfish? Yeah. One of them's got like a blue head. It's cool. Did you ever eat one? Like, have you ever eaten a goldfish? What? <laughs> Wait, are, they, are they nice or less nice than spiders? Uh, nah, when I ate a goldfish, <laughs> joking, I've never eaten a goldfish. That's only a thing in the movies, I feel. I, I, what films do you watch? Bro, come on, oh, my days. Everyone knows. Everyone, so, bro, some weenie, like, eight-year-old boys eating a goldfish and something I've seen. Oh, what, like, diary? I wouldn't be good. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I even... I I think Rowley eats a goldfish, I reckon, in his room. Yeah. Oh, if anyone wants to do it, it'll be Rowley. He's like, he's like ratty, scatty, smelly. Wait, is he the like slightly chunky guy? Yeah, he's a chunky guy. Oh, he's so cute as well. His trim is so funny. <laughs> That's so mean. Well, he's so cute. No, his, his trim is so funny. He is. Um, Who's the older brother? Roderick. Roderick, yeah. Didn't like him. Didn't like actor. him. The guy who plays him. Like, he's a He's a good actor to play to play that role, to be fair, he did well. Yeah. I mean, he made you hate him, so he must be pretty good. Nah, I didn't hate him. It's just, I just don't like bullies. Well, he redeemed But him. maybe because... Huh? He redeems himself in the end. Does he? It depends how many movies you've watched to be fair. Because I don't know which one it is, but in one of them he like is actually a good brother. What, helping him out with girls? Like maybe. Roderick be- is not good with women. Not saying like I'm I'm great, but no, I, just, I don't remember him in I was I was your date last night. My date. I didn't have a date last night. No, didn't you? Okay. It was me and my two friends. And then the flapjacks we made were lovely. Some of them had peanut butter in. Like, we swirled it around. And then we just made a batch of normal ones. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. The flapjacks. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm. You got any left? Got quite a few left, actually. But you could lend me some. Lent you some. Mm. Uh, it's Lent. So basically, today I just wanted to touch on firstly Manchester United. Ah, oh, why start with this? Okay. Because it was top of my list. It's Manchester United we're talking about. <laughs> um, what, huh? What about them? So Manchester United, like the silly club they are, decided. Yeah. To lose seven nil to Liverpool uh, last Sunday, like the fourth, third or fourth, I remember, or fifth of of March, the arch rivals Liverpool. Um, previously before this, Manchester United self-proclaimed title challengers. Uh, why? Why are you making that face? Said no one ever. No, no Man United fan has called us title challengers. Yes, bro. No. Yeah. A lot of my friends 
the day to the games, season ticket holders said we're in the title race. Then your friends are deluded, but like... Twitter. The a lot of people on Twitter thought they're in the title race. Gary Neville. And like It's his job know. to sell views. I don't I don't take anything Gary Neville says seriously. Um and talk talking another about another Gary that's been in the headlines. We can no joking. Um it's Manchester United we're talking about here. What is going on? Why was that ever allowed to happen, G? Under your watch. Did you watch the game? Yeah, I did. I didn't. So oh. I I honestly don't know because I've I've heard from whatever multiple pundits or whatever say like, you know, we weren't bad in the first half and you weren't. Yeah, and then fell to pieces in the second. That happened. Which I've seen the highlights, so and I've seen the score line. So yeah, I can believe that we fell apart in the second half. Cause Yeah, you man can see the six goals. Well, it was one nil at half time and then four nil by the sixtieth minute, which is to, it was like five it was like three nil by the fiftieth minute. It just wasn't good. Um did it just look like the players gave up? I think that'll be quite unfair. I don't know. I think players gave. I think I actually did think Bruno gave up. Um, but like everyone else was like, maybe they did give up, and it, they did that thing where it's like, look busy, like, can't like, do you know what I mean? You can look, you can look busy, yeah. and look like you're trying. Um, but yeah, it just didn't, just didn't work that day. I can't lie. Um. Rashford had some dangerous moments at the start of the game. Obviously, ball, he's obviously balling out this season. He balled out last night. Good bounce back, though. Full one win against Betis last night. De Gea, Innie's replacing. Yeah, he does. Um, he's the go, blood. But he always has. And this is purely out of a thing of... He, he's not fit for Ten Hag system. The way that he actually wants to play, so we've we've quite like we have to limit the way that we play until we have a better keeper. Um, but I think Luke Shaw, at least in the highlights of the game, he looked terrible. Like I only watched the highlights, but he just didn't look good. Um, yeah. And part of me wonders if it's just like everyone was talking about for a while there'll be a breaking point in terms of our players because Ten Hag doesn't rotate very much and. We've played like a game every two or three days for months, like since January or Ooh. December. So, like, we've had the busiest schedule out of anyone. I wouldn't be surprised if all of these players, like, giving it their all for 90 minutes, two to three times a week, just meant that there's one shitty performance in there, like, one little piece of burnout. Like, you have days like that. If you work, like ten hour days for like three weeks in a row. That third, there's somewhere along the line where you'll just have one day where you're just not on the job at all. That you'll show up, you'll do everything you're meant to do as a bare minimum, but you just won't be able to like do it well. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's difficult to keep those standards. Yeah, but like at the top clubs, fortunately, you have to. You're always in the spotlight as well, so. If you're not keeping the standards, people are going to know and they'll notice. Also, maybe a bit of a hangover from 
It was the first game back after winning the cup. So wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, a little bit of pressure they felt maybe got off them a little bit and they didn't need to keep standards up as high because they're all a bit more relaxed. They've won a bit of silverware. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd I'd find it difficult not to get up for a Liverpool game at Anfield. Yeah. And to be fair, to be fair, Anfield atmosphere is a bit mad as well. That's definitely that's one hundred percent a thing. I don't know what it is, but it's just different them sides. Well, it's because they're their own country, isn't it? Whoa. They they want to be. Not... Yeah, that's what I heard. It's, it's just like, yeah, playing in the new camp, but ha. I like that because I like that. I like that. That's quite good. Because um, what's that region? Barcelona. Catalonia. Catalonian region. Yeah, they wanted to become their country, innit? Yeah. They Had their own election and everything. What would you? What would you say? Like, do you think? Do you think you would welcome a Scouser's separation? Don't really have an opinion about it, to be honest. Um. Well, neither. I'm. I'm not. I'm not from Liverpool. I. I don't know how it affects me. Would I? Would I require a passport to, get, to enter Liverpool? Would that be how it worked? I assume not, because I assume it'd still be part of the United. Oh, it'd be like Wales and Scotland. Yeah. Um. I guess you just got to ask the people of Liverpool what they want and how they feel, because I think historically. They feel very let down by Westminster or like London. Yeah, I went went to Liverpool one time, a couple of times. I was in the McDonald's and these kids, these little rascals, took my they took my bro, I swear, just this country's just the same. Everywhere's the same. Like you get McDonald's, like kids, little rascals and McDonald's everywhere. And they all do the same thing. Like it's like it's like everyone's just bred the same, or like it's just this gene that everyone shares, where you just have to take someone else's McDonald's order and run away. That... Did you get another one? Um, yeah, I got the original one because <laughs> they grabbed it off 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 the little kid. I was like, "Fuck off, you!" Like, that's a shit accent, but you get the idea. No, that's quite good. It's better than I like. There's a reason I haven't tried one right now, and it's because it would be a lot worse than what you just did. Um, yeah, I think I think the UK is just a little bit scummy. We I think that is just a thing that's bred into clearly a lot of the population. I mean, do you reckon it happens in America? What about you? Sure, we need to take we need to do a study on this because it might happen in Europe but it definitely doesn't happen in America because like in America you have to drive like in America kids like American cities are driving cities you don't get to walk anywhere so like yeah kids don't really have the freedom they can't just like hang around McDonald's and walk home because 
they probably live like 45 minutes away that they don't want to walk because also they have 50% chance of being obese. So, Yeah, a lot of my friends in America have said that. Which is so inconvenient. That's so difficult. But do you know what isn't inconvenient? What? Capitalism. Oh. That's, that's, that's the only reason why I'm sure. Like... What what other what other like there's only one thing about America that is rife in every single part of life and it's capitalism. That's so true. I assume whatever reason they have for having driving cities is related to capitalism. Yeah, and yet everyone wants to be like them. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I love capitalism. Make me money, but there's there's a point, right? I'd give it all away. Listen, in Lent, we're trying to be more compassionate. And shout out to my housemate, Joe, that's donated that's donated money to a charity because I'd guilt-tripped him into doing so. Shout out to him. <laughs> what did you so, achieve that? Huh? <laughs> what did you achieve that? How? Yeah. Our female friend was on. I was like, it's like, oh, I'm selling this jacket. I was like, oh, that's so lovely of you that you're that you've promised to donate twenty pounds for International Women's Day to charity. He was like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that happened. I was like, well done, mate. So then he actually went through with it. See, that's the thing. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't imagine so, to be honest, but. Say so lying. Listen, everyone lies. You learn this, everyone lies. You don't, honestly. Yeah. I, I, Every, I, yeah. Everyone's selfish and narcissistic, and everyone lies. What a mature outlook on the world you have, Mr. Bassey. Oh, thank you. I think I think you wanted to talk about Lent. Uh, I did eventually. Oh, quite a bit off topic. No, that's fine though. People appreciate that. They told me. Um, yeah, so currently it's Lent, everyone. This has been filmed on the 10th of March. Um, Lent started on Ash Wednesday, so the day after Pancake Day, which oh, was... I missed it. You missed Pancake Day? No, Lent. I'm not a big fan of Pancake Day. I don't. I, I've never had like a good pancake on Pancake Day. They've always been like awful. Why are you looking at me like that? Because it's like the only day of the year I ever have pancakes. Yeah, same. And then and they're always I'm why I don't have pancakes more often. No, and also this year I flipped my first ever pancake. I'm joking now. And then, Everyone I flipped, and then I flipped like five more last night. I flipped the roti. Oh, oh, we had a chapati last night and we flipped it, but not not like we just like flip it manually. Uh, but shout out you. Well, it's because in my house we have like really heavy pans and pots. Like it's really annoying. I can't flip shit in my house because like if I if you know when you do the little onion thing and you go. Can't do that in my house for, because my the pan's just too heavy. 
All right, mate. It's not chef's table, do you know what I mean? No one's watching you. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've always dreamt of, you know, the huge flame of fire whilst I'm cooking in my student kitchen. You know? But, yeah, lovely. Oh, anyway, it's Lent. Yes. And Lent, for those who don't know, Lent ends on... Um, Easter Sunday, so Easter, because that's when Jesus is risen from the dead. The idea we were all given as children was you give up something, but like as you've grown up, or as I've grown up, I've learned like you can take something up or like do more something. For example, be more charitable or donate your time. It doesn't have to be money, you can donate your time. What's that? The International Women's Day. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, exactly, exactly. Look, you've got the right idea. You're going somewhere. So what, what, what have you donated? Or taken? Or given up? Um, I've given up... Um, I've given up sweets, chocolate, biscuits. Um, I've taken up being more charitable, being more charitable with my money and time. Yeah. Oh, and alcohol. So I've given, I've given up alcohol, not taking up alcohol. I've given up alcohol. Um, so, yeah. So you finished those spiders already because I don't feel like you'd survive. No, I actually haven't. There's still... I shouldn't have brought them up because now you're just going to stare at them for the next... No, I actually won't. The box is still here. Oh, they're nearly done. As much as I appreciate them, they started actually hurting my mouth, like burning. That's probably because I ate too much of them, to be fair. Like, but yeah, they're lovely. And post the 9th of April, they will be getting scrammed. See, I, I always chocolate is the basic one. Like when I was a kid, if I gave something up, it would be chocolate every time. Yeah, but I don't actually eat that much chocolate. But I'm giving up like, I'm saying chocolate because in the traditional sense, like I don't have chocolate bars, but I have chocolate cookies and like whatever else. You know what I'm saying? Like would chocolate you, chip cookies. Would you be able to have a hot chocolate? Or is that off the menu? No, nah, I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not a fan of hot drinks anyway, so I never choose that. No, you aren't. But like, if you. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you had to have. I go to breweries. Is a chai now? Moved up in the world. You've had it once. Nah, allow it. I've had it like three times. Oh, that's two times in the last week. No, like I've had it. That wasn't my first time I had it in prep. Joe, well, my housemate and his girlfriend make chai. Not that often, but often enough. It's good. It is good. Yeah, um, it's not. So I'm we... sad Prep got their hands on it, though. Why? The gentrification and that. Like, let, <laughs> let them and them have it. I, I, this, this is making me now question where chai lattes intrinsically are linked in the class. It's taken over by the likes of Pret. I'm just going to say, Chai Latte doesn't sound very working class. 
No, but it's it's from India, no? Probably. It's it's definitely Asian. I know that much. And it's spiced. And we stole all of India's spices, so I wouldn't exactly. be Exactly. Give it back to the man then. Um, yeah, chai latte is one of the oldest tea-based drinks in the world. It originated in India centuries ago. And now we see it in our pret. Not our pret, their pret. Bro, charge at extraordinary prices as well. Give let the random have the spices back. Well, do you know do you know how much colonialism costs? Like <laughs> no. Um that is crazy. <laughs> Don't endorse that either. <laughs> that was obviously a joke. Um, I, I, I do actually appreciate it though, in terms of not of colonialism, chai lattes being available anywhere you go, um, because it's kind of the globalization of the world. Yeah, which I enjoy because you get to discover more and more culture all the time. The problem is, yeah, prep chai latte. Is very far removed, probably from a actual chai latte. Exactly. That's that's my point, and that's my problem. Give it to the independent family businesses. Yeah, let's support them. Let's support them. Um, there's a film called Rye Lane coming out, and the premiere is tonight actually, and it talks about. I was reading an article about it. And how it could lead to the inevitable gentrification of Peckham and like Peckham, like High Street, Rye Lane's like the High Street. Yeah. Just like it just like it did to Notting Hill with the film. Obviously, Notting Hill yeah. with Hugh Grant in it. And basically, obviously this film Rye Lane's coming out, premise tonight. Um I was reading some article from The Guardian. And yes, of course it was a Guardian article. Um, and it's just like, yeah, is it gonna is this film gonna kind of lead like accelerate that gentrification because it's about these young lovers and like apparently in it you see like all these like artisan bakeries and the galleries not like the gal yeah, so I mean like the bookstores and shit like that and. The studios of the artists of yesteryear now turn into these flats where the prices are accelerated, just like we saw with Notting Hill and obviously the film Notting Hill, where Notting Hill was the centre for a lot of black um, immigrants, particularly from the Caribbean. Yep. Um, and that was a lively, bubbly place. And then the middle classes and typically the white wealthier people uh, just wanted some of that vibrancy and wanted to live in a place like that and people like David Cameron moved there and accelerated the prices and I think it was more about the colours like they used in the films and how how it doesn't how like the class don't don't reflect like the population of that place either so there was like no black people or like I've not watched Notting Hill, but yeah, yeah, um, and um, yeah, it just didn't reflect the place. Like there was no parked cars, there's no, there's no shouting bef- between stall 
like between people that own stores, store owners. And yeah, it wasn't, there was no kids screaming and, do you know what I mean? Do you know, does that make sense? I, I, it does, it does. Um, because yeah, I studied that in geography. The whole way that Notting Hill used to be and also what, like I, some of the kind of, if if you were probably, like, I think if you're in a block of flats around Notting Hill, for example, they just still exist, I think. Like, it's really weird that there are these, like, blocks of flats, like, right at the end of Notting Hill, I think, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly from what I learned. Yeah. Uh, you've got all of these nice, vibrant, colourful houses that have been, like, gentrified by the rich David Camerons of the world. And then just down the street, you've got, like, part of where the heart of the whole like, afro-caribbean culture was within the area yeah where these people still live there because they're still like kind of crummy flats that like that other people just wouldn't decide to move into like if you live there it's because you have to yeah yeah ex exactly and yeah those vibrant colorful houses are costing a fortune and just make the whole place a lot more expensive to live in <clears throat> So eventually those people won't be able to afford in the, to live in those block of flats because they just can't afford a lifestyle. Well, I think it's also just becoming a film location in general is such a surefire way to get like gentrified. Can't remember. Yeah, yeah can't... that's what the guy said in the article as well. Yeah. I can't remember where it was, but I was thinking about somewhere the other day that like, you know that the people that visit it have a bit of like, yeah, it might be middle class or whatever, but the actual area isn't that well to do. So you can just imagine there's like people complaining or writing somewhere somehow or investing somewhere somehow mm. to like make sure when they visit this area, it feels more like home for them and less yeah. more removed from the dangerous, those dangerous yeah. That they don't want to be surrounded by. Um, yeah, and this happens um all around the world as well. <clears throat> um, it's happened in Paris, and it happened in Berlin as well. Um, I'm just getting out the article now. Well, me and you have we me and you have walked to the illustrious Rye Lane. Yeah. Um, and I love it. I I have, I resonate with a lot of that. And I have a uh, emotional connection to that because that's where that's where I think of. of I remember having Nigerian food there. Um, my parents do a lot of Nigerian shopping there for like the meats and spices or whatever else you need, and just the heart of the community, the heart of the community. Um, yeah, I had Amala there. Amala and Stu lovely lovely when i was like nine and yeah when i first walked there, i was like yeah this street's a bit nuts like i remember vividly like i said to my mom like yeah this is just a bit mad i was like oh it's like we're back in nigeria like because that, that's the first time i kind of like stepped out and then yeah and now because a lot of my friends live around there. Yeah. Obviously not Rye Lane specifically, or not or like not not like the high street. 
but definitely surrounding areas are extremely built up and a lot more affluent than I remember. But that's what that's what I was thinking because obviously uh, we went to the common and mm. the the people that we met there, your friends, your other people. I was thinking this isn't the Peckham that I've ever been like, I guess, told about. Like the stereotype of what Peckham is, this is not that. Like, I'm I'm just sitting on this green and I'm seeing townhouses and like, mm. I looked after flowery garden and shit. And I'm like, this is this is not like, oh, don't go to Peckham after nine because you won't come back. Mm. Yeah, well, it happened in Mon Mon Marta in Paris as well, um, Bohemian yes. area of Paris by artists and jazz musicians and then a film was like you said a film location like a film set is like a way to accelerate that ever and that's what the guy went on to say in terms of like choose that's where they just choose a lot of film sets and we've seen it historically but you you can bet your bottom dollar that um like tourists won't necessarily especially if, if you like listen to stereotypes they won't go to Peckham and have like a nice feeling about it so there's going to be a lot of international interest if it's like if it's a film location that they want to go to there's going to be a lot of international interest in gentrifying that area so that people feel like it's not a scary place that Peckham is said to be yeah so, to be honest when we went to Peckham I had anxiety just because I was like so I felt so different to like the high street but then like when we got out of like right right lane i was like oh it's just a very normal place like and like looking back at it i think i didn't actually need to be that anxious but because nah, like you never do it because yeah. I, I really liked the whole <laughs> like i do like the fact that it's not gentrified i like the whole kind of messiness of like the the stalls are crazy in terms of the way yeah. that like, you go into a shop and everything is just stacks on top of each other like mountain high i i like the whole it was like it's like you know it's small like everything has to be like packed in because it's yeah it's, it's not big. i do like other. yeah and it and you can bet your bottom dollar that's that's like a community exactly. where they get on top of each other maybe they would be pissed off but it's a family as well they love each other and like if one person is not there one day you know like Oh shit! What's happened to them? Like you know them by name, definitely. That's that's the yeah. kind of place it is, I reckon. That's that's why I almost feel bad about being anxious because you can imagine it's like a community that just welcomes people because they have to. Like this is their business at the end of the day. They have to welcome you to their community and look after you like you're one of their own anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I just, I love I I love Peckham High Street like. I love the smells of raw fish. I'm not even a fish fan, but just like, just the smells that evoke certain emotions and memories for me personally. And obviously hearing, hearing, obviously hearing Yoruba and just other languages as well. Just as diverse. Because I always thought it was Yoruba, not... Nah, it's Yoruba. Learning, learning every day. But yeah, I I shout out Peckham. And please leave it alone. Leave it alone. 
the high street. Because like those townhouses, like two milli. Yeah. Two M's, bro. It's crazy. This is so to a message to the middle classes and upper classes, please, please, for Lent, give up gentrification. Just for Lent. Well, no, because if you give up something for Lent, sometimes you give up. You realise how much better your life is without it. That's true. That's true. Um, I do want to go watch Rye Lane, though, to be honest. I wish I could tonight, but I can't. So I'm going to have to catch up somewhere. And I also need to watch Notting Hill. It's a, it's a romantic film. Rom- rom-com, isn't it? Hugh yeah. Grant. Yours truly. Is that you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I slightly see it. When I have the little... Yeah, you were really good in Love Actually. I was. I I would be such a good Prime Minister. I don't know what kind of Prime Minister I'll be. I'll be a brilliant one, actually. I know <laughs> what kind of Prime Minister. I'll be for the people. And I mean, yeah, the but people. It's, I know we don't really like talking politics, but I, I don't know how you can be, to be honest, because I... I, I I mean, I know there's plenty of people that don't get into politics for the people, but there's also plenty of people that do. And I don't remember the last time we had a prime minister now for quite a while. I don't remember the last time I had a prime minister that was truly for the people. So my feeling is you just can't be. Like, no matter what's going on behind the scenes, like who's lobbying for what, who's paying who, whatever it is, I feel like to get to be a leader of one of the two big parties and then voted in by the majority of the nation is that's true. You need you need foreign backing, maybe foreign and big business backing. You need to Trojan horse yourself in. You need to act like Boris Johnson, and then once you're in there, you have to act like the nicest guy anyone's ever met, and then no one can get rid of you either. Because even if you're not fulfilling on the shitty promises you made, you're making the country better, so the people aren't going to hate you. And they're not going to ask for a new prime minister. Lojo didn't make the country better. No, I'm, I'm not saying he did. I'm saying you have to yeah, act like I know. some prime minister. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I was just, I was just thinking out loud of, of like Lojo made the country not great. But um, I don't know, prime minister. I'd relish in it. I reckon. Not in terms of like I'm power hungry, but I think a lot of it is like you're traveling and you're speaking to like loads of people. So I think I'd find that pretty fun. But like it's one of those jobs I reckon that you can't switch off from ever. Well, I think it's something I would love to sacrifice a lot for family and stuff like that. But see, I think I think it's something I'd love to do because I want to make like my mark on the world and make like as much as I can better. And I feel like there's a point in my life where I'll get to if I succeeded in my goal as much as I can that the only other step that I can really do is become someone of power who can try and make a change from the top instead of trying to make a change from the bottom. But I feel like a lot of people do that and kind of get caught in it. Like, a lot of politicians didn't start out as politicians. Yeah. A lot of them are lawyers, bankers... Like supreme judges or whatever. And it's just like I'm sure they all set out to kind of make this stamp on the world, but I feel like 
I think part of it is definitely playing the game. Like you, you kind of have to, and that's where you, people might get caught in terms of like Stockholm syndrome, and you get you, you like internalize it, and like you're like, yeah, do you know what? It makes it all makes sense now. And like, I think it's easy easy to say when we're young now and like very. Do you know what I mean? Like we're just young, and like when you're older and you've got, I don't know, like a family, like investments and. Yeah, P. I don't know. It's different, but I think the best thing is to never forget where you come you come from and the people you represent. I think if you if you if you keep that at the centre of your mind, at the centre of your heart, I think you do really well. And what was I don't know what I was going to say. Help me out. Save me. That Gary Lineker should be fired. Oh, uh, do you think so? No, obviously not. Um, so essentially Gary Lineker has been in the headlines this week he essentially is the highest a bit of context Gary Lineker is a football presenter um, infamously known for match famously known for match of the day um, presenting the football news he's presented at the world various World Cups and Euros competitions and he's essentially a footballing legend in many's eyes but he's over the last few days caught a few strays from those of a particular political belief. I feel, I feel, in what I've read anyway, it feels like those that are from the right are particularly worked up about what Gary Lineker said. It's, it must have, must be a Gary thing. Him and Neville particularly use their platforms out of, I'd say or the football pundits to t- talk about politics as well. And like, just firstly, while I'm looking for this, how do you, how do you feel about that? I like it because people always say keep politics out of football and whatever else. I don't necessarily think politics should be involved in football at all, but it just is now like geopolitically football is such a big thing that it matters. But at the same time, it's nothing to do with football. These are just people who are expressing their opinion and yeah. have massive platforms. And it's good to keep people's eyes open. It's like, I don't always appreciate, for example, um, what Stormzy sometimes does. And other people like him, when they, Stormzy and other people, when they use their platform to say vote Labour, like, I am not going to vote Tory in my lifetime from what they've done so far um but i I don't believe in telling people who to vote for or encouraging people to vote for someone like if you're going to use your platform use your platform to open people's eyes or make sure people vote but don't tell people like what to vote for like let them make their own opinion if they're going to do something like I i don't want people to vote for the conservatives but if they're going to let them uh, democracy is still democracy um yeah. but that yeah the way that Lineker and Neville use it to just basically keep people's eyes open to things that, that the government would rather you ignore is a valuable thing that not enough people do yeah um so I found a tweet so this was in response to the government's um uh, new bill they've passed through on asylum seekers 
Uh, so basically, Gary Lineker tweeted, there's no huge influx. We take far fewer refugees than other major European countries. This is just an immeasurably cool policy directed at the most vulnerable people, people in language that's not too dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 30s. And I'm out of order. Yeah. Um, what I don't like is he got doorsteps like yesterday. Yeah. Like, he did. That's awful. Like, what? He handled that well, though. Yeah, he did. he did. He did not give a shit. Why are you doorstepping? Like, oh. that's the thing. That's I think that's what that's what I was actually going to say about being like prime minister and being in the public eyes. Just mm. getting doorsteps and like, was it you that was saying? Like when we talk about this trust and that happened, it's like you meant to feel safe in your home. That's where you can switch off from work and like you shouldn't have to worry about yeah. people invading. That's like your privacy. Like yeah, you're in a public role and in the public eye, but yeah. I think I think the important thing is: do we agree with what he said? Um. Yeah, I think there's elements of truth. This yeah. Yeah. Do you? Oh, absolutely. I think um, the new bill is abhorrent. I think he could have gone deeper, but I think the controversy is more. I don't think it's with what it said, but slightly is. But it's more like the fact he's employed by the BBC and essentially all BBC, um, all BBC employees in their contracts um, are subjected to impartiality so they can't express these have to be neutral on every topic and shouldn't really express topics well opinions on particularly government related topics um but the strange thing about this is gary lineker actually did a monologue at the qatar world cup where he talked about qatar's human rights record and the B- this was on a BBC platform as well. Millions of people watching. This was the opening game of the World Cup, I believe, as well. So this could have been close to billions of people watching. And there was controversy from that, but the BBC stood by him. Yeah. They stood by him. Um, there are BBC employees who speak in favour of Conservatives. And I've never heard them have any problems with that Leona Bruce for example Leona oh the question time yeah yeah she's got a history of like interrupting people mm-hmm. when they're just about to give a like a rebuttal to an issue which frustrates a lot of viewers um but lefty Lilica was stuck by by the by the BBC when it came to Qatar, but when it came to the UK, they're throwing him out to the wolves. They said they'll 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 deal with it frankly, or they'll have a frank conversation behind closed doors about it. Whatever that means, a lot of people couldn't for him to lose his job. Yeah, I mean the president's precedent's already been set. Like, if he's allowed to talk about Qatar, he's allowed to talk about that, especially. He talked. He spoke about Qatar on a BBC channel. He spoke about this on his private Twitter page, which has nothing to do with the BBC. Despite him being yeah. an employee, 
your tweets, your personal tweets are separate from your job. So there's genuinely nothing there. The only thing that I see there realistically is a BBC that has been weirdly in favour of the Tories for the last few couple of years. And just like a director who has lent the previous prime minister money and then basically lied about it and a board of directors who have all been appointed by the Tories anyway so yeah that's what I was actually about to say that um they've all top BBC execs um have links to the Conservative Party somehow and I've worked for the Conservative Party and uh, the BBC it's a public broadcaster that's been around for as long as I can ever remember for ages, for ages. But it's meant to be holding this top standard of impartiality, um, like world class, world beating news news provider. And I just feel in recent years, because I, I used to watch a lot of Question Time, and I saw that I was like, why why are you stopping this person from talking? Like they're like, oh, I've got to move on. Sorry, sorry, you've got me. What's going on? And a few articles I've read have been very skewed and haven't been impartial. Yeah, it's like but the- I think this has more to it because he's the highest paid employee by them. Um, he's kind of be he's kind of meant to be like at the forefront of leading this free like this impartiality stuff. I don't know much about the contract, but surely they're allowed to still have their own personal opinions off of beat. But if it's not on a BBC broadcast, surely they mm. should still be allowed to have their own opinions. And he's not a political correspondent. Yeah. He's, he's a sports a- correspondent. If he's, someone said if he sat on like match of the day and it's Arsenal versus United or Everton versus Fulham or something, and he's like, yeah, that bill the government passed this week, abhorrent. But let's let's go to Craven Cottage now. Like, obviously, that would be. Like, I hear that. I hear that. That's obviously quite, that's. I reckon they would care less though, at the same time. You reckon? Yeah, because I reckon more people would have seen that tweet than would have seen that happen on match of the day. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Twitter doesn't give you the, the things now. I think it's like. It's definitely over 5 million people have seen that. I mean, he's got a platform of 8.7 mil followers. Um, so, yeah, it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Um, it's free speech under attack. What yes. would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're not allowed to criticise the Conservative Party in any way. So, it is quite 1930s Germany. Um yeah, brilliant. Um, what next, though? Do you think? Do you think? You obviously don't think he should be sacked, but do you think he will be sacked? I can't imagine so. You got yeah. I don't think. I can't see. I that. don't think it's not a stackable offense, in my opinion. If if Jamie Carragher can spit on a child and not get sacked. I think going, going in could be fine. All I'm going to say but, is 
he gets sacked, it proves how much in the pocket the BBC is of the Tories. Yeah. But he's one of those people like you just can't imagine not being in that role. Yeah. He's the, yeah. He's the face of BBC Sport. He's the face of match of the day. Gary Lineker. be nothing without him. Yeah. So, Gary, we support you. I know you're watching. We support you. And to those journalists that are doorstepping, fuck yourselves, bro. Suck your mothers, dickheads. Moving swiftly on, it is... Oh, winners of the week. Oh, he's, oh, he's got it. Oh. Yeah, cool. What do you mean? Who do you oh. think I am? It's taken you a month. Go on, who's your winner of the week? Steve... Borthwick, England. I was going to say Stephen Stephen Bartlett. Steve Borthwick has dropped Owen Farrell to the bench. Is that good? Well, yeah, clearly if he's a winner. Well, Marcus Smith is now the number ten for tomorrow's game against France. Le- Six is still going on. Fuck you know. Okay. Yes, um, Le Crunch, as it's called the. English fan. Ah. Um, the Six Nations finishes on Mother's Day, 19th of March. Three games on Um But Steve Borthwick has dropped current England captain Owen Farrell in favour of inform Marcus Smith. And no one's shutting up about it in the rugby media because it's a massive decision. Like A lot of people are saying it proves that we're no longer reliant on just one player and that uh, it's proving that the team is bigger than any one individual, which I kind of agree with. Like his kicking record recently has been a bit atrocious. And as an attacking threat, he's him and Marcus are very different. And I think Owen Owen kind of keeps you safe. And he, he can win you the game with his attacking direction. But he won't win you the game with like undeniable, amazing moments. Like he'll win you the game with quite normal moments. Mm. And I think a bit of Marcus Smith would excite people more than a bit of Vernon Farrell. So I'm just excited to see that really. Is Marcus Smith consistent? Would he give you a seven out of 10 every week at least? Oh. Most weeks. He he has the ability to have a bad game. Okay. That's but okay. Like, oh, bad. I, I'd say it's the risk that you take when you want a bit of something more, something special to like you you, you accept that there might be bad games. To, yeah. To make like have the worst make it worth your while having someone that brings that extra little spark to the game. Yeah, I hear that. Winner of the week, it's the BBC. You've exposed what fucking dickheads you are and why no one can trust you anymore. That's a good winner. That's a good winner. Yeah. Expose. I love people that expose themselves for what they really are. And the BBC, that's you. It's a good sarcastic winner. Thank you. Um, who's your loser of the week? Um, my loser of the week is Elon Musk because this week he 
Well, this man called Halley, I'm not going to say any other name than Halley because he is Icelandic oh, yeah. and it's a bloody long name and I will butcher it. And I don't <sighs> have, so there's no point even trying. Um, he tweeted out to Elon Musk saying, HR can't tell me or there's no HR department to tell me if I have a job, but I've been left out of all of my, logged out of all of my accounts from Twitter, but I haven't had an email to say I'm fired. So Elon Musk, can you help me? And then Elon Musk replies to him saying, well, what exactly have you done here? Like, what do you do? And he goes and explains all the jobs that he does and how, um, you know, he's a leader of like multiple different design teams and has pushed yeah. what design teams have you been a part of, for example? And he went and he said Figma, right? Figma is a genuine app, a genuine application that Adobe are in talks to buy. And I am 100% sure, as a lot of people on Twitter are, that Elon Musk thinks that's a joke along the lines of Ligma because he then sent two laughing emojis and then quote tweeted the thread and said, this man has... Um, this man doesn't work at Twitter anymore and he had a disability or he claimed, sorry, he claimed to have a disability that impacted his um, ability mm. to work and type but that's clearly a lie because he's been typing up a storm and he's now but like the ability the disability stops him doing his job properly and he hasn't done any work anyway so he's now fired. And then his next tweet was like, sorry, he's the worst. I don't know, a few hours later, he tweeted out saying, after a call with Hallie, um, like I take back everything basically. And I didn't know the full story. I was listening to, I didn't have all the information in front of me. And it's it just shows that um, communicating with someone is a lot better than talking on Twitter, which is a crazy <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> on a website <laughs> it is a crazy thing to say on twitter that you own and that your tesla stock price is also linked to and tesla stock price is falling by the way since he tweeted that um just a bit of background on halley he is the icelandic not icelandic i think world person of the year if not icelandic person of the year um, really yeah it might just be person of the year, but either way like he's a really successful man he's got muscular dystrophy and he sold his business to um twitter which is why he's got a job there and his exit clause in his contract is a hundred million dollars and this is the real reason why i'm pretty sure elon's quickly decided to keep this guy and halley is apparently still considering staying or not because I'm pretty sure he could get a fat payout from a discrimination standpoint from yeah. the whole firing him because he's got a disability and claiming that on Twitter, also breaking his NDA that he signed as part of working at the company, which requires you to not disclose your employees like disabilities or anything else about them. Um. So yeah, just not a good one off Elon, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's heavy. Well, under European law, 
and also US labor laws. Elon Musk is fucked either way. Mm-hmm. Can't say I'm not happy to see it. I'm joking. Um, am I? I don't think I'm joking. I am. Dickhead. I'm happy to see it. Uh, my leads of the week. Oh, I'm... It's going to have to be PSG this week. I can't lie. Um, got knocked out of the Champions League. I think it was 3 0 on aggregate. Or four... Yeah, it was 3 0 on aggregate. Oh, maybe no, it's 4 0 on aggregate, I think. Then I scored against Bayern Munich. Munich scored three goals, won 3 0 on Wednesday night. And I just think same old PSG, just heartless, gutless. That's a real 7 0 drubbing performance they gave out there. Um, Gaultier, or whatever his name is, the manager, is probably going to get a sack for this eventually. Well, to be honest, I thought if he was going to get a sack, he probably would have got it by now. But definitely for next season, it's looking a bit peak. Um, in terms of like Paris, this is a trophy they want. This is the Champions League. Mbappe stayed to try and bring it to, to Paris, but he can't do it on his own, man. The team are just not not great, not great. We saw we saw the depth and the strength and the firepower that Bayern had to bring off the bench, bringing on like Gnabry, whereas PSG, they're bringing on um, like Zaya Emery, like teenagers, 16-year-olds, 17-year-old kids. What's going on? Messi as well. Struggling, and it just shows like a bit of me is happy. PSG got knocked out because it's it's all about the oil and money and football and geopolitical stuff. Like that's a win for football, but for this project that PSG have, the only trophy that's missing for them is Champions League, and once again, their wait continues for another year. Um, uh, if I'm Mbappe, I'm thinking I got I got to leave. To be honest, got to leave. Um, obviously he's got that fat contract, but Real Madrid, Real Madrid's got to come calling soon. Well, Real Madrid always going to be because I think Mbappe needs Real Madrid more than Real Madrid need him at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, that's what he wants. He wanted to bring it back to his. It's hometown, home city, but I don't think PSG will win the Champions League in a long time. Well, I think this is what happens when the way I've always seen PSG is like Galactico's light, mm. a squad of mercenaries that aren't necessarily. I mean, some of the players are the best in the world and they've always had some of the best players in the world, but they've just always had quite a tight squad, like quite a good squad, but not world beaters everywhere, just high-quality players everywhere, at least. But yeah, but they, they all just feel like mercenaries. Like they all feel like, realistically, what they're there to do is be paid for like a couple seasons, a few seasons, win the Champions League for them and go elsewhere. And the only reason they're all still there is because they've never won the Champions League. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're staying until they've fulfilled their promise. And yeah, what you say about Emery coming on, 
um, supposedly there might be a change in the way that PSG operate in terms of youth. Uh, yeah. They started to actually realize that they've got quite a lot of youth at their fingertips. That's actually quite good, and that it will, it will take it will take years for those P layers to like come good. But I think yeah. they've been they've been absolutely fucked over by Mbappe. Like he's completely abused his power as the player that he is, and by what PSG are willing to offer him to keep them at the club, and the same with like Neymar, and the same with. Messi's now like stalling on a contract like I think it's they don't want to really associate themselves with players anymore that are just there for the money anyway yeah I think that's long time coming to be honest and this is I think it's too little too late in my opinion obviously I think listen you operate in Paris the suburbs of Paris is where like some of the best talents are like these guys are top, top talents. Build your team around that. People that are born in the city, that love the club, yeah. that love the city. Do you know what I mean? Because then you've got, you got players that are world beaters playing for the passion as well. And they've got the why and they've got the drive and they've got a team as well. They, they, they would have grown up together. It's kind of like, like Arsenal. Like, you've got Saka, um, Martelli growing up together, kind of, in Helen and Smith Rowe, people like Eddie as well. I think when you're in Paris, bro, that Parisian ballers are, it's like it's like London here as well, yeah. just world beaters. They're brilliant. Um, you got you got Colo, what's his name, Colo Monai, Monai, the guy that plays for Frankfurt. Yeah, is it? Is it Milani? I don't know. Yeah, Milani. Yeah, um, world beater. Like, I just know that academy is riddled with these kids that are fucking insane. Yeah, football, but you don't, you can't keep signing, kind of, kind of these, these grandpas on their legs that just want to fat check, just want to fat check and pay out quickly before before retirement. Like, living off, living off like ten years ago. Do you know what I mean living in fantasy? Like, let it go. Messi doesn't want to be there really. Like he's moved there for probably his family, just to live in a different city, live in Paris. Like who wouldn't want to live in Paris and get, I don't know, 60 mil a year? I don't I don't know how much he gets, but yeah. Yeah, I think listen, Academy. If I was a football, so if I was a football guy, laissez faire, trust the talent. I agree. I've I've always had that. Like any any career mode save I've ever done it's always like get the youth in let them do their thing yeah I think you, you get resonation with the fans get resonation with the players as well because mm-hmm. I feel PSG is a very touristy club um, yeah obviously you've got the ultras like, fair enough but you don't see the same faces like, I'm sure if you're a footballer you'll see like if you play for like a proper club like uh, you're you're gonna see the same faces on certain sides of the pitch sometimes. Like if you're observing, I don't know, it depends who you are. But like you're gonna see the same faces, you're gonna resonate, you're gonna know you represent them, kind of thing. Whereas these guys in the PSG team, apart from in BAPS, like who cares really? Who cares? Mm. 
Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, they need to fix the politics of that club and the whole structure, to be honest. Because like, the other week, the sporting director came storming down onto the pitch, shouting mm. the players. Yep. Not awful good. club. Awful, awful club. What's your track of the week? Superstition by Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Why? Uh, just a song that I used to listen to a lot because, like, my dad loves Stevie Wonder, so he used to just yeah. be on quite often. Um, and I don't know. I just it just came on like when I was in the shower, and I th- and I was just belting it out, and it's just one of those songs that's <coughs> really good and it's quite nostalgic for me. Just love it. Mm. Amazing song, and Stevie Wonder is an amazing artist, especially like you always have to remember this is a blind man, yeah, which is insane. Yeah, I love that. Um, mine is System by Dave, by David and Wizkid, just because just feel good music, man. Listen to it at least once a day this week. Just gets gets me in a good mood, gets me energized, gets me hungry. It's like, why ain't baby show me that you whine and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew about you. I love it, man. Just feel good music, gets the hips going. Just positive, man. Nice. Thanks. Thank you. Audio visual. Um, mine is the deceptive world of ghost kitchens. By Eddie Burbank. Um, he is a YouTuber. I never heard of or watched a video by him before, but this came across my feed and I watched it. It's 40 minutes long. It's quite in-depth. He does a load of tests. It is about obviously just how ghost kitchens operate. Like if you're not if you don't know what ghost kitchens are, um, they're just kitchens that don't really have a storefront as such like when you go on Uber Eats or whatever you order some very generic looking food from a menu that looks the same as every other menu on there and it it doesn't exist basically physically you just get like some shit food through your door Uh, Mr Beast uses a lot of ghost kitchens for example have you ever used some? have I ever um, I think I have actually I think there's this place in Coventry called Nom Burger. Or like, yeah, and they make bloody good burgers, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, it was the best chicken burger I've had. Mm. And it was from Ghost Kitchen, I'm pretty sure, because that place doesn't exist. So, <laughs> you know, if you're ever in Coventry, order a Nom Burger on Deliveroo. And you'll know it's not being made with love or care, but it probably is really bad for you too. Uh... <laughs> Commentary home to the infamous ACS co- confessions. That's where the best ones come out of. Okay. But noted, noted when I'm I'm in Coventry. When in Coventry, do what my man just said. My audio visual of the week is TLDR news. Do you know them? I don't know. No, I do not. Uh, it's just it's just a YouTube channel of fairly young guys. I think just a bit older than us, to be honest. And they just break it down like 
um, the news and like politics in a very because obviously a lot of it's quite complicated and they do it in quite a concise, simple way for one to to understand. It's quite systematic. It's just easy to follow, and I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, they're just young guys, and they bring out brilliant content, in my opinion. Um, they also do, like, like they got a channel for like world news as well. So I was watching one about the Nigerian elections that's just happened, and they also have one for like Europe as well. To be honest, so it just brings down like, for example, they've broken down just on the recent ones like why is the uk running out of food and is it brexit question mark and then leveling up bill doing everything and achieving nothing question mark and legal migration bill does it break international law is it brexit that's why the uk's running out of food are you asking me yeah uh yeah part partially yeah partially it's really um, funny to watch like daily mail readers talk about it and like okay, they, it's not Brexit. they talk about it all the time right because it's in the daily mail the food shortages but the daily mail can't tell these people that voted for brexit that it's brexit because these people will probably have a mental breakdown so the daily mail is telling them that it's just because the supermarkets won't pay enough money to like get them in because it costs so much money for the tariffs and everything. I think there's a reason yeah. there's a reason they exist though. It it's, is it's Brexit. Yeah, yeah, but it's the but daily round market. the country. Yeah, but round Europe, like their shells are filled. No, because they don't have to pay the stupid we have to. Yeah. But that so the Daily Mail is blaming the supermarkets because the supermarket right. won't pay more money to get the same goods that Europe will pay for. Mm. Because obviously tariffs are the supermarket's fault and nothing to do with Brexit. You know, pre-Brexit, we could work anywhere in Europe, like anywhere. And now we can't really without like applying for all these visas, but like our British passport would have anywhere in Europe. That's sick. Yeah. David Cameron, you've got blood in your hands, my boy. Like, deep it, we can work anywhere in Europe for free. The Conservative Party, in general. Without without going through all the bureaucracy of, like, red tape and all yep. this shit. Oh, mate. Get an, get, hmm? get an Irish passport. Do you have one? Do you have any Irish in you? Yeah, but too far back for me to qualify. Uh, um, I've got a Nigerian passport. It's probably more valuable than a British passport at this point. Let's move on to... to, 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 to garment of the week. Oh, he's ready. I have my garment of the week here. Oh, they look very foamy. They are. Um... See, um, I've I've never been a fan, right, of walking around in running shoes. Like you see, you like you go you go through Central, and like all these business ladies are walking like in their like work wear, but with their Nike trainers on. I think the men do the same. 
And I think that just feels wrong. Um, I did it last week for the first time. Okay. These, are my, these are my running shoes. I use these for running and only running and nothing else. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so nice. I. It's not going to become a habit because there's very few things I wear them with that like make me look decent. Like, I'm not going to wear them with jeans, but oh, it's nice. <laughs> I recommend it if it's, you've got. Yeah, just, just comfortable, is it? Yeah, lovely. What's yours? Uh, um, I still are. I don't know. There's nothing that really caught my eye. I this week, but can I can I go for an accessory? And I'm gonna yeah. go for a foam roller. It's it's not really. <laughs> an item that you wear or anything but I just wanted to shout out my foam roller this week I'm sure your foam roller will be very pleased that you shouted it out yeah I just Ted's, Ted's been um, reinforcing the importance of stretching before and after football and you know my foam roller gives me a chance to it's actually quite therapeutic and you can meditate as well while you, while you do it in terms of like just not on your phone just thinking and Focusing on whatever you're doing, stretching. So, no, I get that. I like. I like. That. I, I wear that with my heart and Steve. You know. Okay. Nice. Shout out my phone roller. Good pick. Um, what did you say? It's a good pick. Uh, thank you. I thought you said dick pick. I was like, what? Your mind is in a different place. Oh, listen. Comment down below if you heard that as well. Um, sports picture of the week. Hmm? fixture of the week is Ireland versus England the last game of the Six Nations on the 19th of March I believe at 5pm I'm pretty sure Johnny Sexton's going to be allowed to play and really that's massive is it is in Ireland I think in Dublin not sure probably in Dublin Um, massive home crowd in Dublin Especially when the English are in town, because who doesn't hate the English? And <laughs> but you add all of that in, and knowing that Johnny Sexton said he's going to retire after the World Cup, which is in France, this means it will be his last competitive Ireland home game in his career. No. Which no. means the absolute emotion. And like desire of every single member of the crowd and every single player on the Irish team mm. to absolutely dick the England English over, <laughs> not just for themselves but for Johnny, is going to be. I feel like such a that true passion test, and like mm. we'll, we will have to see how Marcus plays tomorrow. Um, whether that means he keeps his spot, whether Owen comes back in, and how England are really going to play under Marcus versus Owen, like what's going to be different to yeah. see if he'll actually stand much of a chance against Ireland because I mean, they've had their hiccups, but they could win it this weekend. They don't even have to wait to play us, but good choice. Yeah. Um, Happy retirement. Yeah. Um, 
And I think from what you said, Ireland are probably going to win. Yeah, I I think so too, to be honest. Emotion and sentiment plays a massive part in sport. I always think, yeah, if you've got your why, you're going to win. Can't lie. And they've definitely got it. So be a good, it would be a good game to watch. Lovely physical rugby, good kicking game as well. But yeah, it will just mm. not be good for us. Um, mine is uh, Indian Wells is going on at the moment. I did not know that. Um, so my my sports fixture of the week is um. But Berrettini, Berrettini versus Daniel from Japan. Um, only because Berrettini came across really well in um break it break point. Yeah. And I really liked him. And I've liked how like I, I kind of like like his rise and like it's his why again. How his grandfather like pushed him and how tennis was so big for him and Seeing himself and his grandfather talk about tennis, it's just beautiful. And so, yeah, good luck to him this week in a round of 64. I hope he progresses. Special shout out to, to uh, Typho, what's his name? Typho, the American Don. TFO. TFO, yeah, I like, I like him as well. He's a character. But Taylor Fritz, fuck you. Um, I don't like you. On the Indian Wales front. It's a very good pick. I didn't even I feel like I've not been paying attention. I didn't know Indian Wells was on right now. But a game that's happened tonight that I would just like to shout out is Casper Rude versus Diego Schwartzman. Rude's from Denmark, right? Yeah. His dad was a his dad was a pro tennis player. He was indeed. And Diego Schwartzman is like the smallest man on tour. I think he's like five eight, five seven. Um, I swear. Watching Diego Schwartzman play is genuinely one of those things that like, it's, it's just cool because he has to jump very high to hit the ball. And it's 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 kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like the, this man is, I, I think he's in like the top 20. He might not be anymore, but he's, wow. he's like in his... He's in his thirties now. Like he's been playing a long time. He's been part of the tour for a long time. He's been a very good player for a long time. And mm. to do that with such a big disadvantage that he has, like what he has, he has to play tennis so differently to everyone else because the ball bounces too high for him for him to take it properly, like normally. Mm. Um, so it's cool watching someone who's that good at their game that they can adapt it to play against like six foot four guys and still beat them. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, you know their man earn like eight mil if they win. Yep. Eight mil. But then you have to think how much that goes away. Yeah, but I think how much it doesn't. Yeah, we've got trainers, agents, coaches, uh, nutritionists, physicists, travel, physicists, travel, hotel, like just logistical stuff, food. Yep. Um. Yeah, but eight mil for one comp. Okay, plus sponsors. Say... Sponsors should definitely cover that. Yeah, yeah. But let's say you keep like, I don't know, thirty percent of it. Still, that's a fact. It's a lot of money, but it's a lot less than eight mil. 
Yeah, it is, but eight really. I swear, like Wimbledon, you only get like four. I only, but I feel like it's something like that. I don't know. I'm What's not... Radakani saying? Oh, she's into the second round. Is she? Well done, Emma. Yeah. Prize money. I can't believe it's four mil. That's no, uh, that's definitely not true. It's only two million for Wimbledon. Yeah, shut the in, fuck up. In twenty twenty one, it was Novak Djokovic and Ash Barty both won two million. Uh, COVID year though. Mm, maybe that's. Well, it said it was an increase for the women's. So, yeah, that's because they they got equal equal pay, but still it would be like surely a decrease for the men. Maybe I think we're just a bit more hoardy of our money here. Yeah. I also hoardy. Reckon, yeah, like you know, it's an old it's, it's an old establishment. Wimbledon, they like their money. Yeah, that's true. You don't compete for the money anyway. So, like, it's it's you compete in Indian Wells for the money and the points. You compete in Wimbledon for the prestige and the heritage. Yeah, but Indian Wells is like West Coast money all comes together. Yeah, exactly. You compete for the money, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've enjoyed this podcast. I hope you guys have too. And again, I'm I'm just happy to be here. To be honest, Same. I like being talked to, talk to, and absorbing the knowledge that this man has to offer. Um, so thank you everyone for sticking it through. I hope you all have a great week, a great weekend, um, and see you next week. Thank you very much. Love and affection. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rugby and love and affection. Whoa, 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 mysterious Sophia, where have you gone? Hello. There you are.